Amen. Well, we're going to try to get into the Word of the Lord again. Well, we'll get into it. We're going to try to finish. I know we'll get into it. Um, but um, we are going to try we're going to try to uh, go a little further today and maybe, maybe finish lesson one. This is our fifth attempt at finishing lesson one. Well, that's not a good sign. Um, not a good sign that we'll finish as soon as I'd hoped to. I had uh, intended for this just to be about 13 weeks. I've got about 13 lessons laid out, but this is part five of lesson one. Uh, if we do that with each lesson, it's going to take us a while. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing... We'll be doing this series for a year if we keep this up. So somehow I gotta, I gotta keep, keep, uh, uh, try to stay focused and, and provide um, some help from the scripture for everybody. Amen. Let's go to our verses of text: First Peter chapter two and verse two, First Corinthians six, verse twenty. I do want to say thank you, and I will probably mention this again tonight, but I want to say thank you to everyone who participated in our all-night prayer meeting. I don't know whose idea it was to have an all-night prayer meeting uh, when you're arriving home from um, an international trip. I had started my day Friday morning at, I think it was 4.30 Kansas time that morning and ran all day and then came to the church and along about three o'clock my body said you idiot what are you trying to do to me but but many many folks were here we had a great turnout uh, some that stayed for quite a while and others who came in through the night, and I want to say thank you to all of you. And I believe I can feel a difference around here even this morning. Appreciate your participation in that, and we're going to try to do it once a quarter. I'm going to try not to do it on the day I get home from a trip. It's not a promise, but I'm going to try. And um, so it is what it is. We, we looked at the schedule. We wanted to get it in during the first quarter, which meant either this month or next month. And there's just not a Friday night that there's not something going on the next morning or something already scheduled for that Friday night. We just didn't have another time. And so I said, well, I feel like it's important that we as a church do it. And so we picked this past Friday night to do it. And I do appreciate each of you and, uh, for being a part of that. Whether you came here to the church or you stayed home and prayed, thank you for your commitment to the kingdom of God. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. 1 Peter 2 and 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 
We'll read one verse of scripture there. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now I'm going to deal with both of these verses, Lord willing, before we're finished with this lesson today. So there's no need for me to comment on either of them at this point. We will get to it. But we are in a series that I've entitled Living in Truth. And this is Lesson 1, Part 5. Lesson 1 is entitled Your New Life. Your New Life. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and lift our voices and ask the Lord to speak to us today. I need His touch today. Let's, let's pray together, everyone. Let's give him thanks right now, everybody. Let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give the Lord thanks. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, last week, I never got out of the review. Um... I'm going to try today to get beyond that, but I do feel like that I need to at least introduce the lesson with uh, a little bit of a review because some of the things that I'm going to say today, Lord willing, um, really are predicated on what I said last week. So please bear with me today. Uh, we started this this uh, lesson by dealing with the parallels between a physical birth and the spiritual new birth. We talked about what it must be like uh, through the eyes of that infant when he comes into this world, leaves the security of his mother's womb and the things that that child experiences. And if the child had understanding as we do now, uh, it, it would have to be a very confusing time for that little baby wondering what is really going on. Amen. And so we then began to talk about how Jesus said that uh, the only way we can enter into the kingdom of God is we've got to go through a birth process again. And there's a reason why he would use this kind of symbolism that he would call it a new birth. There are many, many types and shadows that can be uh, seen in a physical birth that help us to understand better what's going on in a spiritual birth. Now, we spent a lot of time, a lot of time last week explaining the new birth, 
talking about how it happens, the only way it can happen according to the scripture. John chapter 3 verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And we explain how you go about being born of the water. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Spent a lot of time dealing with that last week. And then how you're born of the Spirit. And that is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, which will always be evidenced by speaking in other tongues. That's the way that it happens. That's the way that it comes about. And so, I did it. We finished the review. We're moving on. Praise God. Um... That, that was a very, very brief review, but, but anyhow, we're, we're going to move on. Um, you know, for a child that is born into a family, again, uh, it takes a while for their mental faculties to develop and for real understanding to come. Uh, it, it takes some time, and so they don't really understand, and even when they first start to understand, uh, they don't really appreciate um, whose child they are and with uh, whose family they are identified. Uh, it, it takes a long time for them to reach a place to really uh, get to the point that they understand, hey, I'm a part of this family. These are my brothers. These are my sisters. This is my mother, my dad. What those terms mean, though they learn to say them, and they learn to apply uh, mom or dad, you know, th those, those kinds of terms. They learn to apply them to individuals. It takes a while before they really understand the full significance of what that terminology really means. But at some point in their growth cycle, they, they then begin to understand how important their name is. And and the significance of the position that they hold within the family. Uh, those things come with time. And, and, and I'm going to tell you that the parallel is just as true in the spiritual sense. It takes us a while uh, for us to really fully comprehend that what happens at an old-fashioned altar is more than just a good feeling. In fact, I'm sad to say that many people who are born again, they are truly born again. They, they, they're baptized in Jesus' name. They receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there are many that never really learn to appreciate uh, their position within the family or even to understand that this is now their family. There, there are those who come to God in a time of distress. They come to God in a time of dire need and they come and they feel this burden lift and they think, well, that's what I came for. And so they never come back. Not because they hate the church. Not because they don't love God. It's because they don't understand that now you're a part of a family. And as a part of a family, you've got an obligation to that family. It's not just about lifting your burden. But it's about you getting to the place you can lift the burdens of others. It's about pulling your weight, if you please, within the family unit. Learning responsibilities. Taking on duties. 
And, and as I said, it, it's sad, but there are many, many people who never get this revelation. Even some who do continue to come to church. They think they're coming to church simply to, to do what's required of them. As long as I show up, I've done what God asks. As long as I live a certain way, you know, if, if, I, if I don't go out and sin, I don't commit adultery, I don't lie. I show up for church. I pay my tithes. That's all that really anybody ought to expect out of me. But that's not the case. God makes you a part of this family for a reason. Those of you that are parents, let me ask you something. Do you want your children growing up just thinking all I got to do is show up at the table and eat? Daddy's going to put food on the table. My parents are going to provide me with clothes. They give me a place to sleep. As long as I sleep in my bed and eat at the family table, that's all that ought to be required. Is that the way you want a child to grow up? Well, of course not. You want to teach them that they have responsibilities. That this is a family unit. And as a unit, everybody's got a job. And I want to say to every person under the sound of my voice, just you showing up and paying your tithes, lifting your hands once in a while or whatever, that's not the reason God saved you. He didn't just save you to keep you out of hell. I've said this many times, but if God was just trying to keep you out of hell, the best thing He could do is the moment that you're born again, kill you and take you on to heaven. Because then it's guaranteed. No chance of you backsliding. Um, they, they were telling me this past week, uh, some that went on the cruise, they were telling me that one of the, um, one of the singers was relating a story about him and some of his friends or relatives when they were young and uh, them being called on to testify about their salvation and he said his his I can't remember now if it was his friends or his, his brothers or a combination but the first one stood up and thanked God that they'd been saved and, and the preacher asked well how long have you been saved and he said well you know six years and uh, the next one I, well I've been saved for eight years and when it got to him he said well, I've been saved off and on for about five years. <laughs> uh, he, he then said, some of you Baptists won't understand that. <laughs> you believe once saved, always saved. He said, you won't, believe, you won't understand that comment. But, but uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that I know that, you know, they've been saved off and on for about 20 years. Um, that's the way it goes. If God really just was strictly trying to keep you out of hell, the best thing he could have do was the moment could, could have done the moment you're baptized, you speak in other tongues, God could have just taken you straight to heaven. And then it would have been over with. No chance of you ever falling or failing or just take you. But he left you here for a reason. Because he wants you to understand you've got a job to do. You've got a role to play within the family unit. 
God gave you certain abilities. God gave you certain talents. Not so that you could just sit on a pew. But to help further the kingdom of God. I hope I'm talking to somebody here today. There is something you can do in God's kingdom. It may not be singing. It may not be playing an instrument. It may not be teaching Sunday school. But there is something that you can do. And you ought to be looking for that role. God, why did you put me in this church? Why am I here? For some of you, God put you here because you really have the ability to win a lot of people. You've got that ability. Don't hide that talent. Don't bury that talent. Some of you, God put you in the church because you really can encourage others when they're down. Don't bury that talent. Some of you know how to touch God. You can be a tremendous prayer warrior. Can I tell you that if I have to choose between a great singer and a great prayer warrior, it's not even close. I'll take the prayer warrior every time. Some of you may not have the ability to do other things that are visible within the kingdom, but you still have a responsibility. God put you in the body for a reason. The Apostle Paul said we are members in particular. And, and that phrase means you are a specific organ within this body. And you know, as far as I know, every organ in the body has some function. Now, I don't think they've quite figured out yet the purpose of the appendix. And unfortunately, I've met a few appendices. But the only time you notice them is when they explode. <laughs> well, praise God. But I don't think that's why God put you here. Strictly so you could get infected and cause problems. I don't think that's why God put you in the body. You've got a job to do. Somewhere in this body you've got a job to do. Find out what it is. And do it. Because until you start functioning in the role God created for you, the body is hampered. The body slowed down. The body is affected negatively until you start functioning the way God expects you to function. Well, praise God. A little bit off the subject, but not, not entirely. I, I'm talking about how the new birth has this great parallel with a natural birth. We need to understand that when we are born into the kingdom of God, that new birth makes us the children of God. Read for me 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 
Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we sons of the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. What love, what love that he would choose us and put us in his royal family. And then John goes on to say that we, we don't yet know what we shall be, but when he appears, this much we know we're going to be like Our maturing process will be complete at that moment. And we're going to be like him. I long for that day. I want to be like him. But in the meantime, I want to do my best to live according to his word and his promises. Well, praise God. I want to be what he wants me to be. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul said that when a person is filled with the Spirit of God, he becomes an adopted son of God who is qualified to share in the divine inheritance. Now, let's, let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now I'm going to talk more about this, this term, um, joint heirs with Christ. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that and talk more about it. But here's what I want you to see from this passage. First of all, the Bible calls us the sons of God. It says we've received the spirit of adoption. God chose us. We, we didn't belong in this family. But He adopted us. He picked us. He made a willing choice to bring us into his family. And here's what it says. Because he adopted us, that makes us heirs. Whatever our father owns is ours. Oh, I wish we'd get a revelation of this this morning. What does our father own? He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns the universe. Well, praise God. Our Father is rich.
Praise God. And we are the heirs to his riches. Because we are the sons and daughters of the king of kings. He enjoys providing for us. Some of you have a, it's, it's easy to say amen. But, but in all honesty, some of you struggle with this idea. Let me read a verse of scripture. I've, I've always loved this verse. Luke 12 and 32 Fear not, little flock. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good it pleasure. It is your father's good pleasure. To give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. This term, good pleasure, is translated from a Greek word that means to think well of something. By not only, uh, to think well of something by understanding not only what is right and good, but stressing the willingness and freedom of an intention or resolve regarding what's good. Uh, let, let, me, let me break that down for you. What he's saying is that, that when it says this is good pleasure, it's not just that God knows what's best for you, but that God really, really wants to give you what's best for you. It's His good pleasure. I've, I've talked about this before, but, but look, I want to I just show you again. The book of, of Esther, to me, gives such a perfect illustration of where most of us are when it comes to asking God for things. And it also gives the illustration of where God is about us asking. You remember in the book of Esther how that word was sent to her about um, what had happened and, and how that the Jews were going to be put to death on a certain day and, and uh, uh, her, her um, foster father uh, sent her a message and said, you better go in, you're the queen, you better go in and talk to the king and, and, and see if he'll do something about this or we're going to die and and she wrote back and she said, look, I, the king has not even called for me in a month. And, 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 and it's, it's a law that if you dare walk into his throne room without him calling you, uh, he'll put you to death for such an interruption. Unless he extends to you his royal scepter. And if he extends the scepter, then you can be accepted. But, but if he doesn't do that, he puts you to death. Mordecai wrote back to her and said, look, you are also a Jew. And if all Jews can be put to death, don't think you're going to escape this. And then he went on to say, who knows, but what you were put into the kingdom for such a time as this. And so Esther she is married to the most powerful man in the world. But her response at that point was, join me on a three-day fast. I can't ask my husband, my king, to do this. We need to get a hold of God. 
fast with me, would you? Now, I, I, look, I, I've for years heard people talk about the brave uh, character of Esther. But this doesn't really sound real brave at this moment. She's pretty afraid. And so the three-day fast ensues. She makes that fateful step into his throne room. And you know what he did? He extended the, the scepter. Do you know what that means? He's saying, Esther, I'm glad to see you. He loved her. He had chosen her. And then he said to her, tell me what you want. I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. And you know how she responded? Um, would you join me for a meal? You know, I guess maybe the saying was true back then, the way to a man's heart's through his stomach. I don't know. I'm... But to me, the fact that he extended to her the scepter, she could have asked right then. The rest of the story was not even necessary. He was ready and willing, and he said as much. But she wasn't convinced. So she fixed a meal for him. But the interesting thing is the king knew she didn't risk her life so she could have dinner with him. He knew she wanted something else, and, and I can prove it because when you read the story, as soon as they sat down, the king looked at her and said, Esther, what is your petition? You didn't bring me, you didn't come before me to bring me here. You've got something on your mind. What is it? Ask and I'll give it to you to the half of my kingdom. And you know what she said? How about lunch tomorrow? This is true. It's in your Bible. I'm giving you the rig and revised version, but the facts are there. And, and I'd like Haman to come. Well, Haman's feeling pretty good about himself. Nobody else gets invited but the king and him. He must be special. Yeah, he's really special. And uh, finally, the third time that Esther appeared before the king, the third time that the king said, ask what you want, and I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom, she finally opened up. And made her petition known. And the king gave her what she asked for. Now look, I'm telling this story because I submit to you that's exactly where many, many saints of God are. His word is full of promises. I just read to you, Jesus himself said, it is the Father's good pleasure. Not to give you half the kingdom, but to give you all of the kingdom. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's the Father. The Father takes great delight in you coming before Him and asking Him to do things. He takes great delight in responding to your petitions. He takes great delight in answering your prayers. Oh, my Lord. I, I feel so much Holy Ghost right now. I hope your faith is rising. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you'll get a hold of what, what I'm trying to preach here this morning, you can be healed in this service today. Your problem can be resolved in this service today. If you'll get a hold of what I'm telling you, the Father wants to give you the kingdom. How many times did he commend people when he walked on this earth because they risked everything and he saw their faith? The woman with the issue of blood. She had to, she had to fight her way through the crowd, making everybody she touched ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. And touching the hem of his garment, thereby making that ceremonially unclean. But she had so much faith. The Bible says Jesus perceived, past tense, that virtue had gone out of him. God is so anxious. God is so ready to answer your prayers that the man, Christ Jesus, didn't even have time to decide, am I going to do it or not? But that faith just got a hold of God and pulled the healing right out of him. Oh, listen to me, saints of God. It doesn't matter what the situation. It is our Father's good pleasure to give to us the kingdom. Woo! We don't have to say, please, 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 please. We don't have to beg God for anything. He wants to do it. He wants to answer your prayer. He wants to show you just how powerful he is. He wants to display for you just how mighty he is. God gets pleasure. God gets happy when he starts answering prayers. you've been battling why don't you give it to Jesus right now why don't you lay it out before him right now it's his good pleasure it's his good pleasure healings flowing through this house right now miracles are in this house right now Come on, somebody that's listening online. You don't have to be sitting right here. You reach out to God where you are. I'm telling you, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom.
The devil's a liar. Don't let doubt cause you to miss what God's trying to do for you right now. Don't let your doubt cause you to lose out on what God is trying to accomplish right now. It's your father's good pleasure. It's your father's good pleasure. It's your father's good pleasure. Correte me ashando lo bojoso tarabahaya. Yerra vasayela makatarayenda rabahai. Woo! I feel it. Come on, somebody's getting their healing today. Somebody's going to leave this house better than they came. There's no reason to put it off till tonight. No reason to wait until next week. No reason to wait until next year. I'm telling you, it's the Father's good pleasure. It's His good pleasure. It's His good pleasure. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Woo! Yerabasito katayandarabaha. Lord, Jesus. Woo! The healer's in the house today. The healer's in the house today. The healer's in the house today.
God. Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Mm. Praise God, praise God. I'm telling you, church, we need to understand. We need to understand this verse of Scripture. God enjoys doing things for His children. Parents ought to understand that. You know what it is when... When your child is wanting something and you're able to give them that, the joy it brings to you to see them happy, where do you think that comes from? That's the image of God. God is happy when He can give us those things. That we need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah said it first and Peter quoted it later. By his stripes. Isaiah said you are healed. Peter said you were healed. We are and were. Hallelujah. By the stripes he took. Do you think he did all of that so you could keep living in suffering and pain? Well, somehow, church, we gotta, we got to quit letting the devil lie to us. Well, God doesn't want to do it for me. Why not? Why are you any different? Can you find your name in these verses that you're excluded? I don't. I just don't know if it's God's will to heal me. It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Is healing a part of His kingdom? Is healing a part of His kingdom? It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm telling you, I, 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 feeling what we felt a few moments ago, it was, it was almost like I could see the face of Jesus as He begins to heal. And the smile that crosses his face. He's so happy to do it for you. He's so happy to do it for you. We have had more than one witness. Without knowing that the others said it. Stand behind this pulpit. And say God wants to perform miracles in this church. That God wants to give 
this church a revival that would exceed what happened at Azusa. You want to know how it's going to start? Somebody's going to break free of the doubt that has plagued them. Somebody in this church is finally going to just accept it for what it is. It's my Father's good pleasure to give this to me. And God's going to perform a miracle for them. And then others' faith is going to be boosted. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. Where is that one person that's willing to reach out right now and say, God, I present it to you. I want to, I want to see you smile. I want to know that you're happy. I'm giving you my problem and I'm trusting you to fix it now. place today. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. You leave here still sick in body. It's not God's fault. Don't blame it on Him. Don't blame it on Him. He's here to heal today. He's here to deliver today. He is here to meet needs today. All right, all right. So let's go back and talk about this verse. We, I told you I'd come back to this. Let's, let's talk about this here for a few moments. And um, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, we, we, we touched on it. But I want to I come back and talk a little bit more about it here for just a moment while we're in this vein. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, I want you to look at this. If we are children, if we're children of God, and we are, right? We are children of God. Are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? If we are children of God, then we are His heirs. Now think about this. We are the heirs of God. And we are joint heirs with Christ. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, understand the, the, the distinction here. As oneness apostolics, there's not two persons in the Godhead, the Father and the Son. When we talk about Christ, we're talking about the Son, we're talking about the humanity, we're talking about the man, Christ Jesus. Is everybody with me? The man, the humanity. When he uses the term Christ, that's a reference to the humanity. We are joint heirs with Christ. This word joint heirs is, is, a, is, a, 
a multi-layered term in the original. Because it, it not only means that you are an equal recipient of what is bequeathed. That's part of it. You understand what I'm saying? If, if, if somebody, a father passes away and they take his estate and they're just going to divide it equally among all. All right? He's got three kids. Each of those kids gets one-third of the estate. That's joint heirs. So each one gets the same thing. Now, you, you haven't caught it yet. We're joint heirs with Christ. What did the man, Christ Jesus, get? While he, while he walked, I can't talk, while he walked on this earth. What did he receive? Did God use him? Talk about the man, the humanity. Did he see miracles happen? Did he lay hands on the sick and they recovered? Did he cast out devils? You understand, we are, we are joint heirs. We get an equal portion. But it goes beyond just being an equal recipient. But the term actually means that you are an equal participant in what is accomplished. I've lost some of you. Um, we are equal participants. The things that Christ did. The apostle writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said, As children of God, we are equal participants. Hallelujah. That means, Brother Goff, as children of God, we've got the same authority over sickness and disease. We're joint heirs. We're joint heirs. We're joint heirs. I know the biggest the biggest struggle for most people is 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 their own um, it's it's their doubt in themselves. I, I I think if I did a survey here today and ask how many of you believe God can do it, it would probably be a hundred percent. If I then ask how many of you believe God will do it, it'd probably be maybe not a hundred, but pretty close. But when I ask how many of you believe He'll do it for you, I can tell you the numbers fall off drastically. Why? Why? Tell me. 
tell me, was the woman with the issue of blood worthy? No. Was the Syrophoenician woman worthy? This is not about whether you're worthy to receive it. It's about something God enjoys doing. And he enjoys it as much for you as he does for me. Boy, that's weak response. God enjoys answering your prayers as much as he enjoys answering mine. Well, and I'm telling you that if I am a joint heir with Christ, Brother Self, when I lay my hands on someone, I'm a joint participant. I'm a, oh, I feel this. I said I'm a joint participant. Now look, as a joint participant, that means I can't do it myself. But I'm doing it with him. And when we work together, I'm telling you, there's not a sickness, there's not a disease, there's not a devil. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody willing to step out in faith? Is there anybody willing to reach out this morning and say, yes, it's me, it's me, it's me. I'm going to claim it for me today. Come on, somebody. There's healing here. There's healing here. There's deliverance here. Oh, somebody needs to get a hold of this right now. Woo! Come on, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. Woo! Shayanamo, Sinalama. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Anybody else need an answer this morning? Anybody else need a miracle this morning? I'm telling you, God's here. He's here, he's here, he's here.
Oh, come on, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. Come on, he's doing it, he's doing it, he's doing it!
Oh, he's doing it. Come on, I feel another wave of his glory sweeping over the house right now. There's another wave of God's glory sweeping over the house right now.
let's thank him. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. Let's thank him. Jesus. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Let's just thank him one more time, can we, everybody? Let's thank him for what he's done here this morning. Let's let him know we appreciate what he's done. Oh, Savior, Savior, Savior. Oh, God, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. My, 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 my. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. I felt the hand of God touch many of you today. Amen. I want to tell you, by personal experience, through the years, I've watched many times. People feel that touch. They know in their heart God has brought the answer. And then once... Once the spirit starts to lift, the devil starts putting doubts in your mind, trying to convince you it didn't really happen, nothing's any different. And he'll work on your mind. He'll do his best. But the Bible said that, that, that he would do that. Jesus gave the parable of seeds that were sown and said, there's times that the birds of the air come along and devour the seed before it has time to take root. And, and that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to come and steal the seed of faith that was planted in your heart. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Amen. Trust in God. It's his good pleasure. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Well, I didn't make it through the lesson today. But I don't apologize. I don't apologize. I feel like the will of God was accomplished. Still got a long way to go, but we'll get it done at some point, somewhere along the way. We'll finish it up. Amen. Amen. But I'm not going to try to go any further here this morning. I feel like God's done what He wanted to do in this. I, I, I tell you, church, I really, I just have this feeling that God, if I could put it this way, you know that I'm speaking metaphorically right now, but, but, but the, the, the image in my mind, the thought in my mind is God was sitting on the edge of His seat just hoping somebody was going to respond. He was so ready to do it. Amen. Amen. The first opportunity he had, he jumped in there and started doing it. That's what God's looking for. And that's how God wants this church to be known. He wants this to be a place where needs are met. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. 